first live recording mm. into the Studio Secrets A to Z podcast music. Carl Napa, back for episode two, and Anthony J. Rista. Welcome back, Carl. Hey, thanks for having me back. I had a lot of fun on the last uh, episode. Oh, it was, it was incredible. and It went you, pretty fast. It really did. And you've inspired, like, the first overdub. <laughs> I know, right? I was jamming on the, uh, I don't even know what that thing, a little bells that yeah. tap, tap, uh, hang around your foot. Yeah. And you were jamming on the flute. Yeah. It was really, that's our. That's a first. I oh, love it. This is, uh, I think this might be our 51st or 52nd episode, and that's the first time that we've had an overdub live. Love it. Welcome. Well, last time we got into like so much about um, all your work at the Hit Factory, working with, you know, watching Michael da- Jackson dance around and like just crazy, crazy stuff all the way through your tenure with Nelly on yep. a bunch of multi-platinum albums and a string of different studios with Nelly and the, where, yeah. we, where we left it last time. Ten was, plus years with him. Wow. Where we left it last time was you guys built finally after working in mansions and different places, you built a, a real studio. Tell us about that. Yeah, we built a studio in Missouri um, at his corporate offices. And, you know, it was pair of, We Actually, you know what's funny is we bought the Oxburgers that came out of Studio 2 in the Hit Factory. That's where we were. Uh, well, did, we had Oxburgers and Nuno's in the room we were mixing Nuno stuff. The Hit, Hit Factory originally had... A bunch of them. Uh, boxers in there. And oh, then okay. nobody... I shouldn't say nobody liked them. They were really good. Oh, they were okay. I didn't really like them. Yeah. Actually, I can't remember because they weren't there that long. I shouldn't say any of that stuff because I'm lying. That's all right. But I really like the Oxburger. Yeah. And they went into every room one day. and They look like monkeys, by the way. Yeah. Nelly used to call them the ducks because yeah. you have yeah. the horn and yeah. the two eyes. And when they closed, we bought the baby blue ones from Studio 2 that had that old, old knee. Remember the one that was two eighty sixty eights put together? Oh, that's incredible. And we got them out of there. And then we built a room around there. Um, Mark Donahue, my friend from Boston, Sound Mirror, yep. did the um, helped us with the acoustics, and we did this really cool kneeling wall with all the interchangeable panels where you could do diffusion, absorption, whatever, depending on the room. And we had a custom desk made that you know back then it was a, a Control Twenty Four, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And just all of our outboard gear, um, API, Focusrite, regular stuff. Yeah. Um, Avalon and that compressor that you hit me to. Do you remember that one? Sure, it was um, John Ellis builds right there. Uh, I can yeah, see it over yeah. in your rack. Yeah, we love that. It's uh, it, it's called the Obsidian. Yep, you son of a bitch. Yeah, because you called me. You're like, you got to try this compressor, and I'm like, nah, I'm cool. Yeah. And then about a day later, another friend of mine, I'm trying to think of who it was, called me and was raving about it. No kidding. And and then John called and said, I'd like to send this to you, and I'm like, don't, because I'm not buying anything right now. Yeah. He's like, well, I, j- I just want to get your opinion. I'm like, whatever. I'm not buying it. <laughs> and I was in the middle of uh, mixing one of Murphy Lee's um, solo records, the second one. that ne- It was never released. It was shelved. It was probably the best record he's ever made in his life. It was the most incredible record, and I really wish it comes out one day. It was that. It was, it was conscious rap. It was pop rap. It was incredible. It was him coming of age. Why did they do that? It, um, a lot of different reasons. Um, and it was shelved for, for specific reasons. I don't feel like getting into it. Um, it was a lot of political things. And oh, that's it, too bad. it hurt a lot of relationships from oh, different man. people. That's really sad. It was an incredible album. Uh, anyways, I was mixing at uh, this producer Jay's house, and he had SSL, stereo compressor, tube tech stereo compressor, Fairchild, you name it. This dude had everything. Everything. I mean, he wrote Country Grammar. He wrote Ride With Me. He wrote, you know, 
all the hits on the first record and some on the second. Made really good money, but he had this beautiful studio. And so I'm mixing this album for Murph, and I kind of, um, my my mix chain was the Tube Tech st- uh, stereo compressor. Yep, the, L- blue, the blue the one. The blue one. I, I should know the number. I have one in my studio. Yeah. LC2B. Yeah. I don't know the number. Um, and then, uh, you love this, Manly Dual yeah. Pull Tech. Right? Oh, wow. For stereo Q. And then it was going to a Manly Stu, t- two, two mixers, right? To Wow. We were uh, summing. Yep. And I get John's compressor and I had the assistant. I go, you know what? I'm, I'm just about done with this mix. I know what it sounds like. Plug it in and then I'll send it back. And I plug it in and I'm like, what the fuck? I look at it and like, it looks like an SSL. It acts like an SSL, but it doesn't sound like an SSL. And I call John right away and I go, what's going on? He goes, I knew you'd like it. He goes, it's the Transformers. I go, I fucking love it. And, yeah, you know, sold. Checks in the mail. Um, so well, I bought one for myself. Yeah. I bought that one. I wouldn't yeah. send it back. And then I bought one for Nelly Studio. And we had one there for a long time. We were working Still at, there. We were working at Tree Studios in Atlanta um, on something for the Scream 2 soundtrack. And I remember he sent me one there to show um, those guys. And we had a shootout that day. There were several. Um, I don't remember exactly what there were, but there were three or four bus compressors, and we set it up so that they could all be at the same level. And do, we did a blindfold test, and everybody picked it. Every, so, yeah. So John, Hands down. Yeah, John Ellis. It's, uh, it's the Obsidian. Uh, yep. It's it's an SSL style. Bus. And this isn't the paid. Well, I don't know if no, you paid no, for yours. No, I paid no, for mine. No, I paid no, for two yeah. of them. No, I, I bought mine. I'll too. do it. I'll, yeah. I'll buy a third one. That's yeah. how much I enjoy it. No, they're wonderful. Yeah, It's on every yeah. single mix I've ever done yeah. to this day. It does have, it's the transformers that give it that sound. And you can do a customizable sidechain frequency. He'll, he'll do that for yep. you, whatever you want. That's right. He's, he's yeah. amazing. John yeah. Ellis, good plug you got today. Yeah. I can't bounce to disc because of that stupid thing. Yep. Right. Cause I have to print. Yep. Can't do an analog bounce. Anyways. Um, yeah, we built that studio. It was beautiful. Um, shag carpet everywhere, you know, 70s. Sony C800G. Well, back then we were using a gold reference. Then we switched over to the Sony C800. Um, in that room, Anthony, I probably spent three years straight. Wow. Easy. Those were the days when we would do double, triple days. He'd look at me at 10 at 11 in the morning and go, are you tired? Nah. You tired? Nah. Fuck it. Let's keep going. Um, so the only time I've ever fallen asleep in the studio, and I still don't believe I fell asleep in the studio, is I was recording and it was pitch black. He's in the booth. And I heard, Carl, Carl, Carl. I'm like, what? He goes, you were sleeping. I wasn't sleeping. He goes, well, then how come I'm calling your name? And your eyes are closed. Man, I was just taking a nap. He goes, you tired? I'm like, I ain't tired no more. Um, but you know how it is. When you work, you've, you've I mean, obviously you and Car- Carrie already worked together for. Yeah, a couple of decades. Yeah. Right, 25 years probably. Yeah, yeah. You guys don't have to talk. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we, I used to look at him and be like, he'd, he'd sing something, and I'd be like, sure, I go do this and do that, and he'd be like, uh huh. And then we, I knew exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah, knew the track, knew this, and like it was so seamless at one point that it was sorry, it was just it was incredible. Like yeah. you know, it was a great working relationship, and it still is. I still do, I still do some mixes from time to time. Yeah. Um, I just rebuilt the whole studio for them recently. Um, I do a lot of stuff with uh, City Spud, one of the lunatics, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the producers, Bam, I still do a lot of stuff with him. I, I just enjoy it, you know? Yeah. 
I don't do much recording anymore. Yeah. Um, for clients. Well, that sounds really dumb. I don't do, I don't pick up work anymore. I turn a lot of stuff down. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I, I kind of made a conscious decision to kind of change my trajectory yep. from a hired gun. Well, I'm also living in a, a state, so yeah. we can talk about why I'm still there, um, that can't afford me, yep. right? I'm just too expensive, right? Yeah. Um, when you sell 95.5 million records, you yeah. know, you, you definitely your price, price yourself your, out of that. Your the, price goes up. <laughs> um, but not to brag, the uh, I started, I worked with a couple of young bands, yeah. like, uh, pre-pandemic into the pandemic, um, there was this like kind of underground rock and roll scene in Missouri yep. that I kind of dialed into, and I worked with this band called Bleach, yep. and it was a three piece, three, three yep. piece, yep. and they were awesome. And we did an EP, and because of that, other bands started coming around. Yeah, and one by one, I started just doing all these rock bands, and I did a band called Wise Mary that. Uh, we finished a little while ago, and this other band called uh, Hazmat, a punk pop band, a four-piece girl band, all females. It's incredible. Um, band called Freddy Versus I'm working with, and a band called um, The Richters. And That's cool. I mean, I'm forgetting a bunch, but yeah. I've decided that instead of just taking someone's thing, you know, getting X amount of dollars an hour or a project, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I haven't done hourly rate in years. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to be more involved. Yep. And Missouri doesn't have a lot of infrastructure. Yep. They don't really have any. There's a few boutique labels that yep. are just, um, you know, one person will own it and put something out, whatever. Yeah. And I was complaining to somebody one day that no one comes there and no one brings anything and there's no Leck record company coming out and there's no management company here and there's whatever, right? This friend of mine, she goes, uh, my friend Karen, she goes, well, you're the problem, Carl. <laughs> right? I'm like, fuck you, I'm the problem. She goes, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I got my studio and I got, yeah, but you're not doing anything for the community. I'm like, wow, she's right. I am the problem. So I made, I, I made a contact with um, one of the people in our academy chapter. Yep. I'm involved with the Grammys. And he had just started this wing of his company doing digital distribution. Um, through a company called Sound Credit, yep. Gabri Waddell, and signed up through him. And I've been distributing these records for since August. Yeah. And yep. I have this whole new business structure of putting out things That's on my wonderful. label called Chain of Rocks Records. I love it, man. Yeah. That's great. That's killer. You know, we're kind of reinventing ourselves again, too. With We've got a bunch of things we're trying to do with, you know, getting into like more sync licensing and you know, custom music for trailers and ads and stuff. And, yeah. you know, podcasting. And, yeah. Podcasting. Yeah. Studio Secrets is, we've been growing, uh, really with the help of, uh, Sideways Media and our producer, uh, Greg Anson has been really helpful. And yes, it's, it, I kind of think this is the era where you kind of need to wear a lot of hats and reinvent yourself over and over to stay in the game. It's like, it's just part of the, it's part of what, you know, that's what longevity is about. You but know? is it this era or has it always been? I think it's always Come been. Come on, think about it. Yeah. We started out with analog tape. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, you're right. JHS. What was that that machine done? Uh, MCI. MCI. Yeah. J JH24. Yeah. Yeah. At Cortland. Um, and now I look. We were just starting this thing on Pro Tools. Yeah. We both switched over. We switched over. I've, you know I I waited. I, mean? I waited till 2001 though. I I was hardcore analog. I was still doing analog at the Outpost and uh, yeah. Profit Sound, and you know we were hardcore analog. And I still love the way 
I was swimming underwater at Pro Tools 3. Yeah. I was yeah. I was a believer. Yeah. But I also had some pretty good mentors. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of uh, work as an assistant for Phil Green. Not Phil Green, sorry. Phil Green was, I'm. look at me, I am just became a fanboy. I listened to all your podcasts. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I actually really enjoyed Phil's podcast. I love Phil. Um, but Phil Ramon, you know, oh. Phil Ramon was always on the front edge of technology. Yeah. Always. Yeah. You know, he was doing digital before anybody. He was doing the... Um, um, what do you call those things when you would record over the phone? How did I forget how those things were called? Uh, T1 lines? Yeah. Or? But we called it something. Ednet? Whatever it was. We did a ton of them at the Hit Factory. Um, but he was, uh, that inspired me. Like, here's a dude who can rest on any laurel he wants, you know? And he's always pushing the envelope. Yeah. And so that inspired me to always seek something out, always try something, always, you know, uh, push the envelope. Yeah. And the second person that inspired me was Eddie from the, the Hit Factory, Eddie Germano. Yeah. I walked in the studio one day and they were ripping out all the wires in Studio 3. And uh, Ed Evans was the and uh, chief engineer back then, the chief tech. I go, what are you doing? This is a brand new building. He goes, yeah, Eddie found this cable that's even better and, you know, got to upgrade. Well, why? Yeah. We have a, a working studio. That's got to be the best. That's so amazing. So that, that has literally pushed me my whole career. That's amazing. Um Recently, I just redid all my patch bays during the pandemic. Bought all new patch bays from this guy, Joe Shepard. You know, um, I see your avocet over here. Like, I got one of those a bunch of years back. I just, ha I'm always pushing the boundaries, you know. The only thing I haven't given up on yet is my speakers. I know yeah. um, these beautiful speakers behind me. Yeah. Amphion, we, we love them. Yeah, what, I'm what, still in Proac. Yeah, you've had those for years, though. Years, you years, got, years. Whatever you get used to is what you stick with. I mean, you know? I also have. Yeah. I think in my studio I have uh, one, two, three, four, five main monitors and then an Oratone. You have the largest set of uh, <laughs> uh, main monitors I've ever seen. It's like it's like uh, it's like going to the Orpheum or something. <laughs> what tell us about those? Um, yeah, so the Proax are my main midfields. Yeah, and my Oratone. I can't mix yeah. without that mono guy. Um, I have a pair of Tenois Dual Fifteens with the, you know. Um, concentric, dual fifteen. Yep. Uh, I don't even know the the model number, but they're loud and proud, and they, yeah. they sound like to noise uh, with dual eighteen subs. Wow! Because you got to shake the room. Yeah. Um, I got a pair of ten thirty ones because I have this nice little roll around cart, you know, yep. from sound construction that, you know, I just I'm going blind, so I really can't see the monitor anymore. So it's got to be up in my face. So I put a pair of ten thirty ones to the left, yep. so I can kind of edit with those. And then um, I bought back a pair of 1037s that I had sold to somebody that I had gotten years ago. And I've been toying with those. Yeah. And th so those sit on top of my two noise. I don't really use those anymore. Those are for sale if anybody wants to buy them. <laughs> and then if you turn right to my setup, I have a pair of, um, uh, what are they called? Black Knights by, uh, what's the name of that company? And they're like mastering style speakers. Um, it'll come to me. Uh, they're gorgeous, right? Yeah. And so, like, I'll do all my basic work on my Tenoise, kind of start whittling down on the Pro X, the, the uh, Oratone for my mono work, and make sure my mid range sits where it's supposed to. And then you hit a point where everything's sounding really, really good, and I switch over to the um, the mastering speakers, and and then start. To f I finish the mix on those. Wow. What what do you find the mastering speakers reveal that some of the others might not? 
clarity. Yeah. You know, I think in, in, in pro audio, on most speakers, I should, I mean, I heard these, these speakers with Amphion. Amphion, yeah, they reveal a lot. Down in Memphis, yeah. um, Ari Morris has a pair that just blew me away. Like, I just was shocked how incredibly they sounded, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the first time I've heard a studio monitor sound that clear. Even the Oxburgers, you know, they're, they're bullies, right? They yeah. get loud and, yeah. you know, I don't know how extremely detailed they are. Yeah. Um, and with my uh, my mastering speakers, like it's the it's the hi-fi speakers, right? Yeah. Um, and the detail is incredible. Yeah. And I don't want to mix off of them because I find it very hard to just start a mix there. Yeah. But to end it, like I know what I'm doing wrong. I know, you know, the, the things sometimes that you kind of ignore in the mix, like yeah, I'll, I'll get around to it, and you put it up there, and it's just like no, it's glaring. Yeah, like no, that's terrible. When I first when I the first heard the Amphions, um. At, at at a NAM show, and I was walking by the booth, and I saw them. They looked kind of a little like the NS10s in a way, like there's something NS10s looking about them. And I, I walked into the booth, and I met Ansi, the the president of the company, and he put on Gaucho by Steely Dan, and it was like, I was like listening to that record in a different way, and it really, it really kind of shocked me. Yeah. It was that, that obvious, you know. And I was I was hooked on the spot, you know. So well, I can see why they sound great. Yeah, played me that mix right before we started. And yeah, he's blown away. They're in Finland, and uh, they're just a really cool company. And he he and his son came here and set these up for uh, for us. Really? Uh, and and yeah, so we've been like really excited about them, and you know, talk ab- about them as much as we can because yeah. they're they're just they're kind of life changing. You know, Cariati definitely changed. And we were Tenois forever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you. There, yeah. you guys. Yeah, we think we would we would put tape over the T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you just you get used to them, you know. And uh, but this these this has been life changing for us. Um, so we we love them. So Ansi and uh, Amphion speakers. There's your plug for the day. Nice. Yeah, got to get some of these ads in here. <laughs> so where did we drop off? Okay, so so yeah, we were talking about speakers and your gear, but how did we get there? Um, my studio. Yeah, I don't know. I have a studio in Missouri. Oh, no, we were talking about about the you know reinventing ourselves oh, yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. and the label and all yeah. that stuff, and uh, yeah, that's and we've been like you said, back to the beginning. That's always been change, 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 you and know? not being afraid of change. Yeah, right. Because um, back in two thousand and ten, there was a huge change in my life. I was I had moved to from Missouri to uh, you know we kind of. We did like three or four years straight in Nelly's studio and they were going on the road and I didn't want to go on the road. And so I moved to Miami and um, Uncle Bob over at the Hit Factory uh, put me up in one of the production suites and I was bringing all my stuff. I, I fell in love with Studio D down there at, at Hit Factory Criteria. I think it's yeah. just Criteria now. And I just loved mixing in that room. And uh, I was really happy living on the beach and oh, it's beautiful. kind of being semi-retired and... Uh, <laughs> and and enjoying Florida life, right? I know yeah. Bob's down there and, and loves it. And then Nelly called me one day and he's like, hey, I just met this woman who owns a school in Missouri and wants to do a recording school. Whoops, my stomach just growled. Yeah. And she goes, he goes, she knows more about this stuff than anybody I know. I yeah. mean, sorry, what did she say? He goes, he called me and goes, hey, I just met this woman in Missouri. She owns a school and she wants to start this recording school. And I gave her your name and number because you know more about this stuff than anybody I know. When she calls you, she's the real deal. Don't hang up on her. Cool. What does she want? I don't know. I mean, you talk to her. 
yeah, but I wasn't really listening. Like, I don't know what she wants. She wants, I don't know, figure, just figure it out. Yeah. And she calls me and we start talking and this woman like really was into recording and like knew all the terms and was really, really driven. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll take a meeting. I'll fly up and, and talk to you. And so I flew to Missouri and it was a company called Vatterot and they had technical trade schools and she wanted to start this recording school with Nelly. And um, I asked her, I go, so, you know, I have a nice suit coat on, Anthony, and nice yeah. shoes and, you know, whatever, yeah. black shirt like I always wear. And uh, and she goes, uh, I go, what do you want? And she goes, well, I go, I go, do you want me to, like, build you a studio? Because, you know, build what I have, and I've done two or three for Nelly. And, uh, you know, maybe pick some gear. She goes, no, I want you to run the school. I go, what? I can't run a school. I go, first of all, you know, I am heavily tattooed. I pull up my sleeves and my jacket <laughs> and like, you know, I have two sleeves. I have a chest. I mean, you don't see everything, but I'm about yeah. 50% of my body covered, right? Yeah. And I go, uh, I don't have a college degree. And I go, these aren't even my shoes. I'm borrowing them to come to this meeting. <laughs> and she goes, I want you even more. She goes, I can teach you how to do school stuff, but I can't teach someone the stuff that you know. And that's how we started the Extreme Institute by Nelly. And it was a recording and music business school based out of Missouri. I wrote the program, um, built the studio with Fran Menzella from FM Design. We built a beautiful, beautiful studio. Uh, built the classrooms with Joe Z again, who did all our other studios. And we started with, I think, 20 students while we were getting accredited. Yeah. And once our accreditation came in, our first class was 114, 115 students. Wow. It was, it was, it was a home run out of the park because it was a for-profit education and the only way to get in is what well, was different than a regular university. You don't have to go through SATs or um, ACTs or whatever they're called. Um, you, yep. you just needed a high school diploma and it, and it opened up an associate's degree for people who normally wouldn't be allowed to go to school. That's wonderful. And we were closed eventually, you know, in 2019 because the federal government didn't want any more for-profit education. And we can get into that a whole different story. Yeah. Well, and I agree and I don't agree with it at the same time. I agree with having oversight and um, making sure people aren't stealing from people. Yeah. I ran a school that was completely on the up and up. I don't agree how they did it. Yeah, that's too bad. You know, not to be rude, but they fucked over all my students. They yeah. closed us on a Monday with kids who were going to graduate a week or two later. And, That's awful. And uh, it was the hardest day of my life. Yeah. Walking from room to room, telling everybody the school's closed, and I'm sorry. Oh, my I, God. I made sure that I apologized to every kid for, uh, on behalf of us. That's devastating. Um, Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And then I was sitting there, not knowing what to do once again in my life. You know, I had my studio. Yep. Have this beautiful studio, very similar look to yours. Yeah. Um, and uh, and a place called the Hill in Missouri, Italian section. Go figure, right? Yeah. Um, I remember when I bought my house there. Nelly goes, he goes, you bought a house on the Hill? Yeah. He goes, oh, good. You with your people? I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I guess I am with my people, and I love it. It's it's yeah. a great community. Um, but I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And then Webster University reached out to me, which is a uh, a school, another, another yeah. uh, um, traditional university in Missouri, and um, they have a beautiful audio program there that had just been rebuilt yep. by a guy named Dr. Tim Ryan, and they hired me, and I, I'm I've been on staff now for this is my fourth year. Well, that's cool, and I'm a visiting artist. That's wonderful. So I don't have a college degree, yeah, but um, yeah. I've done this for. Almost yeah. 30 years, right? Like you? Yeah. Well, a little less than you. No, um, about the same. But, um, you know, I also ran a school for 10 years, so I have the I have the accreditation. I just don't have the piece yeah. of paper. Yeah. doesn't matter. It's like- But I like it. I, I really enjoy teaching. I'd the, love to have you yeah. come and do some master classes. I'd love it. And I'd get you a chance to come to Missouri. Yeah, that'd be fun. You know, we could work on some stuff. I'd, I'd be- I don't know if you told. know where Missouri is. It's kind yeah. of literally yeah. in the middle of the country. <laughs> I didn't know where it was. Yeah. I used to tease Nelly. I'm like, why would I move to Missouri? Like, do you guys still have like horses? Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Well, what do you, uh, as far as teaching, is a good subject to kind of get into because you know we we try to share a lot of information here. What do you notice about young people today, um, and the internet and the in YouTube and stuff? Like, isn't it? Do you find that there's a lot of sort of myths and things that are just kind of like I think you told me one story about somebody that was just had all this stuff on their mix and like, like yeah. this mad science project. And I think, tell me a little bit about like what you think 
is going on with that? You know? I, I see a lot of people learning from the internet, right? Yep. Which is an incredible resource. Yep. I wish I had it. But there's a lot of people on there, you know, saying things to say things. Yeah. Right. And I, I not necessarily believe a lot of it. Right. Um, there's some incredible stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's some, I mean, I, I, I watch, I watch, I still enjoy learning, put it that way. Yeah, me too. I still enjoy going on and, and, and going down a rabbit hole, you yeah. know, Eric Valentine has some incredible videos yeah. about stuff that he does. Um, there's a bunch of people, right? But there's also a bunch of people spewing some just crap. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and, and it might be what they do, but it's like, it's sending people down a rabbit hole that they think they need the latest, greatest plugin. They think they need four or five compressors, six or seven EQs, you know, multi-band this, sidechain that, where, you know, when we grew up, it was about levels and pans. Yeah. Right? I mean, I worked with Al Schmidt as an assistant, and I watched him do a mix, and didn't do anything. Like, I didn't, what did he do? And what? it sounded like the most incredible mix I've ever heard in my life. And then you kind of just see him like just dance around, do some stuff, and you're like, "Holy shit, that sounds great." He didn't over bake it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Elliot China didn't over bake it. They just did what was supposed to be done, and that was it. And these guys are legends. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know Elliot Shiner or uh, Elliot Schmidt, like incredible like the, the, right? I mean, Aretha Franklin. I mean, you everything, name, everything. Yeah, hundreds of Grammys. Yeah, but they also knew when not to touch something. Yeah. And I think with Pro Tools, because it's so easy to put a plugin in. Yeah. Like, think about in the analog world. If you had an LA-2A, you only maybe had one, if not two, in the room. So you had to use it, like, really, where am I going to use it? Yeah. You know, if you had a Pultec, where am I going to use it? Yeah. And now, I can put an LA-2A in everything. Yeah, yeah. And then I can put it on again. And 100 tracks. It, what's happening is we're overdoing stuff. Yeah. And we're getting away from a lot of the... The basics. The basics. So I, I do this thing, and I've been doing it the last couple of weeks in one of our classes, or one of my classes. Um, I just throw up a multi-track, and I go, take my phone, and I go, go. And I literally in there, I'm saying, okay, 30 seconds. I give them a minute and a half, right? Oh, 45 seconds, you know, 50 seconds, and I, you know, I'm a pain. Yeah. But I want them to think so quickly and just not overreact, but to just... Like zen it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, put up a fader. Does it work? Nope. Pan it. Okay, done. When we came up in analog, I had fifteen minutes to set up a session, if that. Yeah. Before a client walked in, and it better sound good, right? Because if not, they're not going to ask me again. Yeah. Right. There was never like just turn the computer on, and you're back where you started. Yeah. You're always starting from square one. And you do a recall. Too. Yeah. Or if you were like coming back to a session from like a week before, you had a massive amount of recall. Yeah. If you were mixing and stuff like that, or if you yeah. found a, a blend that you liked. Yeah. But for the most part, it was like throw it up, get it working, sounding good. Yeah. And a lot of that magic has been lost. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm guilty. We're yeah. all guilty. Yeah. You know, it's so nice to put, you know, uh, whatever on a, a channel, like some kind of a, yeah. a channel strip, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, and then, and then, you know, well, that sounds good. Let me add another compressor. And like, well, we're all guilty of it. But yeah, I, I think as far as young, young people getting into it, that they're, they're, 
they have all of this at their fingertips. Learn the learn some of the fundamental things first. I remember, and of... then take it to the next level and and smoke us. Yeah, like I tell all my students, you have to be better than me. Like, yeah. th- why not? Like your your mind is on a whole different plateau than me. Like I'm yeah. still stuck with yeah some of the things that I used to do, and then kind of well, that's not true. I kind of incorporate new yeah. stuff, but um, there's no way that you shouldn't take it and move to the next thing. I, I when I was getting tattooed. Um, my guy, um, was very into Asian art, right? Yeah. And he used to tell me the story that, you know, for a tattooist, especially a Japanese tattooist, like, and, or tradesman of any kind, you know, you learn your trade, right? And then your whole goal is to learn it so good that you can do it, you know, blindfolded, backwards and forwards. And then you take what your, you know, mentor taught you. Yeah. And then you know, you bring it up a little bit. Like, you don't mess it up. You know, you ever hear that story, like, leave the place better than you found it? Yep. Like, for me, it's like, you know, I want to take, like, the recorded music and just make it better. Like, like the quality has to always be at 110%. Yeah. I know we're going and dumbing it down to an MP3. That's fine. I could care less. Yeah. But if I can keep my quality as long and as hard as I can, and I don't know if I care, it's cables and it's, it's yeah. the type of microphones we use and the preamps and 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 all of those little things that go into it. And yes, the digital emulations, they sound just like... They've gotten really good. I mean, it's been the past maybe three or four years that there's been a huge increase in quality. It's great. You know, like even with analog synths like Arturia, they've been making like stuff that just sounds so real now. It's unbelievable, you right? Know? And but... it's wonderful. But like back in the day, like I've, you know, we had, I don't know if you listened to Skip Saylor. Um, mm-hmm. he did, he's great. We're going to get him back on sometime because he's just... Super smart, and he, he in the beginning. I thought I worked a lot until I listened to his oh, podcast. Oh, it's crazy, right? <laughs> I mean, but in the beginning, like in the in the you know early days, like with Bill Putnam and those people, sometimes if they were talking about a mix or something, they'd be like, "Oh, we had to use EQ." It was like yeah. that was that meant they they didn't. It was like almost like a crutch. Yeah, like it was like ah, oh, we didn't quite get it, you know, because they were so good at mic placement and so good at, you know setting the preamps and the, and the way that the musicians were interacting with the sound and like in the room and how people heard each other. I mean, all those nuances were what was making the great recordings, like the Motown stuff. A hundred percent. I got into this thing for a while, um, for a long time, and I still do it, uh, of min- minimalism. Yeah. Um, you know, I came out of one day, I, I, I look up and I'm mixing something. I remember the artist, her name was Billy Lawrence. And I was in Studio A at the Hit Factory. I think we worked in there. It was a big old VR on the first floor yep. or second floor, whatever floor it was. I remember. And I had every piece of outboard gear used. I had everything on the board being used. I used to show up with two or three racks of equipment, all of that used. I rented some stuff. Um, I think I had a Bedini bass on the mix. I had, um, remember those Behringer Edisons? Yeah. Which was a Bedini clone. Psychoacoustic stuff. And I had like one on my... Uh, reverb returns and once on my backgrounds I had all this crap going on and I'm sitting there going this mix sucks <laughs> like, like this is terrible and everybody's like psyched because I have all these light bulbs going off and the room is flashing on the Anthony I pulled the patch bay dropped the faders and 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 took everything off and just did the mix the way it was supposed to and that's when I realized like I was over baking yeah and it was good to learn all that stuff yeah but the fact that I knew that I was doing it wrong, or it didn't sound good, I should say. It's yeah. not that it was wrong. Yeah. And then I went down this road of like, 
I'm not using any EQ anymore. I'm going to find the right mic, the right preamp, and the right placement. And with analog, you know, it comes back a little different, right? Good, yeah. bad, or indifferent has that sound. And when I started to go into Pro Tools, I started to get the exact sound that I wanted, right? That I was going for. If I was using a V72 yeah. with a whatever on a snare drum, it sounded like that coming back. And then I started to really like dive deep into placement. Yeah. And for a long time, I never put an EQ on. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would painstakingly move the mics and it wasn't that painstakingly, but. Yeah. You know, you just knew when it's, you know, when you know. Yeah. Like, and then a little while ago, and it's not that long. Uh, a buddy of mine out in St. Louis hit me to the uh, the tele, uh, sorry, the um, um, Trident 500 series yep. EQs. So I just bought a couple on Black Friday and I put them on when I was recording something. I'm like, oh my God, it's so much easier to use EQ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are good. I, I love the A range. Oh, remember the one that was at Longview? Yeah, we, that, was, that room was in the front in the living room. That studio was so magical. Yeah, I love that. I spent a lot of time there. That board ended up at Sunset. Did it really? Yeah. I think, or Sunset or... It's the one, A range? Yeah. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> cancel the ending. Cancel uh, the ending. We're going to we're gonna cancel it. We're going to keep it rolling though. Yeah. We're just going to mute the uh, the music. Yeah, this is a, it's supposed to be the end of uh, episode two, but we're still talking, so we're not going to do yeah, that. We have a couple more things to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's like, why, why do we need to be in a rush? I do miss those type of studios, though, you know, where you would go and live for a while, or just going to a Longview studio, was right? just, like, what an experience, like when we worked on uh, Susie Demarchi's record, Susie Demarchi's record, remember that? Oh, do I remember that? Remember the name of the bar? Uh, oh, 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 oh. No, we set up in the barn, do you remember? It's killing me. Happy's. Happy's Bar. That's yeah. right. That's Carl's nickname is Happy. Back then it was anyway. That's because Camila had just been conceived. Yeah. And um, we couldn't decide on a, a, a name. For a girl's name, we knew Camila. Yeah. Right? And then Annie was like, well, pick a boy's name. I'm like, Frank? Butch? Duke? Like, yeah. strong name, right? Yeah. And she's like, how about Julian? How about... Uh, like all these other names, whatever. Like, and we just couldn't agree. Yeah, uh, we were so far apart. Yeah, and she was getting more and more pregnant, and she threw the book at me one day, the name book, and you know I'm kind of a dick, and I just go and I go boom right there, happy, <laughs> right, and that's when we started calling. We, and then I started that record. Yep, and we're in the middle of 148 acres in the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts. There's no bar except for like the VFW. East Brookfield, right? Or East Brook? Mm. Long, no, where was it? Longview Farm, but Longview I'm trying Farm. to think. East, East Brookfield. Brookfield, or, I think, yeah. 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 And, uh, Magical place. And, and you know, Susie was there. Dave was there from the Baby Animals. Nuno, me and you. Yeah. And there was no place to go, so we, we made our own bar. Yeah, I remember. And we had so much fun. Oh, that was just such an incredible album. So much fun. I mean, and then Bob mixed that. I don't know. Did he mix that at Sound Techniques? Sound Techniques, yeah. Yeah. That was just such I a... I still listen to that record to this day. Oh, it's an incredible yeah. record. You know, we should actually play something right here from that album. Just, that'd be fun. Tell a Love. Yeah, let's play that. Oh, I love yeah. that song. Yeah, I'll leave it. We can play it. And yeah. We'll, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put that in the podcast. Yeah. What a great... What a what an interesting um, treatment that, that was just such a cool 
project. I mean, I remember I had like four ADATs set up outside the control room and all my gear, and I yeah. would like mess around with sounds and then give them to you guys, and you'd import them into the the mix. And that's I mean, what we we we. That was the first time we used. I ever used Pro Tools. Yeah, Nuno had used it before that on with something. Yeah, I think I, at the end of Schizophonic, he was yeah. he was working with um Jim. Yeah. What was Jim's last name? Jim Lightman. Yep. He died of COVID, which was terrible. Yeah. But Nuno had done like the post-production on that record with him, right? And yes. so he kind of knew how to use Pro Tools. Yeah. And I got there and I'm like, I don't even know how, to, how do you turn it on? Jim Jim introduced me to Pro Tools before it was even Pro Tools. It was Sound Designer so, too. Yeah. And I went there and he's like, you got to see this. And And I go in there and he's like, he's moving the snare hits around and he's, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I can make this, like, see, this one's a little bit early. And, and I'm like, why don't you just hire a better drummer? <laughs> <laughs> it made no sense to me. I'm like, this is never going to catch on. Yeah. That's what I thought. I'm like, this is stupid. This is, like, ridiculous. This is, like, moving every snare hit. That's just ridiculous. You but know? it was funny, buddy. Under that record, we were all using it. Yeah, isn't that funny? You know? isn't that, that... Remember that console, too, the 8078? Oh. That was, yeah. That was Crazy. I remember I did this session once when I got to New York. I was finally engineering, and I'm in Studio Two, which had, like I said, the John Lennon 8068. You know that famous yeah, picture with yeah, him and, yeah. and Julian? And they took another one and bolted it together. That was and, Phil Ramone, right? Um, didn't he? Wasn't he? Didn't he work on that record? Yeah. Uh, no, that was. Um, who did that record? I thought it was. Um, Jack Douglas. Oh, Jack Douglas. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, I got it. Back. But anyways, uh, um, that console ended up at the Hit Factory, and they bolted it to another one. And it was this beautiful room, and we had five ISO boots. There was like a carpeted room, a slate room, an all wood beautiful room. Wow. And then this kind of mixture. Yeah. Of slate and carpet. Um, wow. Sorry, I keep burping. We're drinking these non-alcoholic non-alcoholic beer. beers, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um. Anyways, recording drums. Yep. I don't remember the client, but I remember the drummer. Yep. Sean Pelton. Oh, incredible. Right? Um, beautiful DW kit that they brought in, tuned immaculately. Any mic I wanted in the world, right? Yep. Put it all up there. I start getting sounds. I start pushing up the fader. And Anthony, I thought I was a god. I'm like, oh my God, that kick drum is incredible. That snare drum's incredible. Like everything I'm pushing up, I'm like, because remember, think we started in Boston with yep. crappy equipment. Yep. Uh, crappy bands would bring in crappy drums and maybe they weren't the greatest drummer and you have to really work hard here i am just moving things and all of a sudden i had this epiphany like don't fuck up like this isn't you this is this man in that room with those drums and now you have to capture it yes you have the greatest equipment in the world but don't screw it up yeah that's a different i became terrified <laughs> like oh, every time i moved like oh my god i have a overheads and i'm like oh my god don't they sound great don't don't mess them up and you know well that's a lesson to think about it's like you know it's funny like a, a good drummer with a good kit tuned properly that's the sound like i remember seeing um a video of fleetwood mac during the rumors era like playing live and it was like a sound check or something and it was on youtube and it was and like they jump, they go into like go your own way or something, and I'm like, oh my god, that's the drum sound, like on a on a a, a video camera. I mean, that's the sound, you know, and that's what they captured. Yeah, you know, in and, the sands. Right. Right. Yeah. I was just I was just speaking to a band the other night, and they were asking me like, well, what can we improve upon in it when we practice? And to the drummer, I told her, you know, how hard you hit the cymbals, like everything else, the way you come up with your parts is brilliant, your timing is great. 
Yeah. But sometimes you just hit a little hard. Yeah. Like once you get that velocity down yeah. or that, I shouldn't say velocity, what would you really call it? Like just the way you, your, your touch. Yeah. Sometimes like if you, if you, what I call pummel the cymbals, like they actually, they, the sound isn't as pleasing. They kind of choke themselves yeah. and they, 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 yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Cause it's, there's a certain art to hitting a cymbal not too hard yeah. when you're playing. And you know, if you've recorded Steve Gadd, so you know what a sound, I mean, it's like, and I've that, been very fortunate to record some of the best musicians in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether it's Eddie Van Halen, Nuno, yeah. um, Mike Skasha. I mean, some of the greatest guitar players, hands down. Yeah. Um, you know, and drummers. I mean, fuck, even you. Like, we yeah. used to record you a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've been very fortunate, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, sometimes I'm like, holy shit. I did all of that? <laughs> you know? And what's interesting is is getting a part... I, I, I really have been giving back, right? When yeah. I hate saying that because it sounds so cheesy. No, but it's, it's true. But I've been, I've been really getting into the recording academy for the last five or six years. And through it, um, one of the things that I, I kind of get out of it that I didn't think I would is just some relationships with people outside of my comfort zone. Yep. Look, I know you obviously, yep. and I know a lot of hip hop people and pop music and things like that and some rock, whatever. But in our chapter, I'm in the Memphis chapter, and we start in St. Louis and go through Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana. I hang out with a bunch of people from Memphis, a bunch of engineers, a bunch of engineers from Louisiana. And we get together and we like start talking. Remember when we were down in in New Orleans one day, and it was me, Chris Finney, uh, Matt Rossbang, and Jeff Powell, all like like heavy hitters, right? Yeah. And we start talking. And we're like, just bullshit, right? You know, and all of a sudden someone starts talking about like recording drums and they're like, hey, you do that? I'm like, wait, I do that. And I do that. And all of a sudden, no matter, even though all four of us kind of do different art forms, yep. we, we have like the same approach and the same ideologicals of, of, is that the word? Yeah. On how to do things. And it was the most amazing like reaff- reaffirmation. Yeah, affirmation, affirmation of like, of like, of like all the years right? paying off. And what I realized is that to kind of go back to your story about learning stuff on the internet is sometimes you don't have that. You right. know, I had I was lucky because I sat behind the greatest engineers of all time. Yeah. Name somebody, I worked with them. Sure. Right? Al Schmidt, you know. The list is is ridiculous. Michael yeah. Beinhorn. Like you name somebody, Mutt Lang, like yeah. Yeah. Arif Martin, one of my favorites, right? Yeah. Uh like name somebody I was there. Yeah. Uh and I could see from person to person what they did and the similarities. But sometimes when I go to a place um, with an engineer who maybe has their own studio and has only seen that approach, they haven't seen all that stuff. So they don't know what they're doing is yeah. what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And so when I, we talk, they're like, oh, really? Those people do that too? And it kind of blows their mind. Yeah. Um, and it's nice. For, it was, it was, that was my education. That was yeah. my master's degree, if you want to call it that. Yeah, you it's know? great that you can keep that alive for young people. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast is is... This, this kind of information is like, uh, you know, it's invaluable because it's, it's, it's real world, real life stuff. You know, like all these guests like yourself that, that share these stories. I mean, they're, they're, it's important. I feel it's important. I'm, I feel really good about what we're doing. It's so. nice. It's the, uh, it's the oral history of our, our, uh, occupations yeah. Yeah. of our profession. Yeah, it's true. You know, and it's like lo- long after I'm gone, like my kids will be like, can hear any of these episodes and 
you know, future generations, who knows how long stuff, as long as there's an internet. And get, look, I get to come to here and do it too. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not phoning this in through the, uh, yeah, Zoom. No, this, Zoom. Is, this is even better. Yeah. I, uh, I flew in specially for this podcast. Yeah. Like I, I bought a ticket and yeah. a hotel. Yeah. It's, it's, it was just Maybe. wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have some Grammy business here too, but. A little bit. Man, Carl, this has been just awesome. And, uh, it's just wonderful to have you. And like, I think you've really, uh, touched on some really important things here thank you and uh i'd like to have you back again sometime in the future we'll do some i don't know if anybody wants to hear that after all the the bullshit we just talked oh yeah you know i mean but also it's you know me and you catching up yeah i mean you you gave me my start it's crazy think about it it was because of you who invited me to the studio for the very first time isn't that crazy that's weird i never really even i was thinking about that when i was driving over your house today like you started my career a couple of the early, crazy. yeah, it is crazy. A couple of the early memories that we used to stop. Did you ever get your check? I mean, I yeah. sent you the, all those years. I've been sending the twenty five percent. You know, I remember this is a funny closing thing that that'll take us back to the very, very beginning. Was um, we used to pick me up in Westford to drive me all the way to Cortland, <laughs> and we used to stop at this little bakery called the Colonial Eleven Bakery, <laughs> and I and, and I made up a commercial. Where it was like the Colonial Love and Bakery, and you'd go Route One Ten in Westford. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it, that's dedication. I forgot that I used to pick you up. Yeah, amazing. I used to go all the way from Burlington, to Watertown. Oh, Watertown. Remember, I was living with my grandmother. Yeah. To get you. Yeah. To go all the way back. Yeah, that was it. Just so I could work. Yeah. And I never complained once. No, you were a star, man. I wanted, I was thirsty for it. And you had the gene. You. It was clear that you were gonna make that your life and it's you've done unbelievable um it's just thank you it's a thrill and an honor to have you that means a lot coming from you love you man i appreciate it you too anthony j resta studio secrets a to z signing off thanks carl thank you anthony It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.